Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. This is Money and Me today. A closer look at the ideas of billionaire Ray Dalio, founder of the world's biggest hedge fund. He's warning that the U.S.-China conflict signals a capital war that he believes could tank the dollar. He also says the Fed is boosting asset prices and valuation metrics don't apply anymore. So is the US dollar at risk? What does this mean for uh, cash, dividend investing and the price of gold? We'll put these ideas to Wilfred Lim for his views. My guest today, Executive Director at BMFA Wealth Management. Good morning, Wilfred. Morning, Michelle. Great Good to be back. Great to speak with you always. So Dalio suggesting that the latest geopolitical tensions a signal more. He's intimating that we're in the midst of a changing world order. Do you agree? Yeah, to, this, to a certain extent, um, I agree. There's I mean, so much tension going on around the world, uh, especially between the U.S. and China. Yeah, so he has mentioned that, you know, we are in every sort of a war except a physical shooting war right now. Yeah, we, we started off with the trade war, the tariffs going on. Mm. Um, then we have the tech war, obviously, recently with TikTok and WeChat and all that. Yeah, uh, there's geopolitical wars going on as well. Uh, you know, both sides are sanctioning the, uh, each other's politicians and also asking them to close the consulates uh, we had uh, last month. Uh, there's also a potential of capital war uh, with the U.S. threatening to um, delist uh, Chinese companies uh, on the stock exchange if they don't meet the uh, accounting standards. Yeah, and also the U.S. has, has gone on to threaten that um, banks in China and Hong Kong uh, may be cut from using the U.S. dollar or the SWIFT system. Do you think that's likely to happen? Um, it's it's a tough call, especially yeah. with Trump. <laughs> with Trump over there, uh, you don't know what, what will happen. He may say one thing and, and do the other thing. Uh, afterwards. So it's, it's a tough call. But, um, you know, looking at all the signposts uh, that's been going on, uh, things that have already happened, uh, yeah, it does seem that, you know, this, this so-called war is escalating. Yeah, as you mentioned, it started off as a yeah. tech war and now it's a geopolitical war. And Dalio is saying there could be a capital war. Help investors listening in understand how a capital war could be a problem for the U.S. economy. Uh, well, just with the example of, um, you know, delisting the Chinese companies uh, from the U.S. exchange, mm. uh, we noticed many companies, huge companies like JD.com, NetEase, uh, more recently, I think New Oriental Education, uh, you know, they are all shifting uh, their listings slowly back to Hong Kong and even the A-shares. Um, so we could see the demand for the U.S. dollar going down uh, and the demand for Hong Kong dollar and renminbi uh, going up just from this alone. Uh, do you think this yeah. is going to impact the U.S. dollar in the long term? Yeah, I, I see it that way. Um, you know, just talking about the U.S. dollar, uh, we, we all see our current fiat currency as money, right? Yep. Uh, but I'd like to bring up that um, for money, they are actually six definitions of it. What? Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, six criteria to qualify as money. I see. Okay. Go yeah. ahead. 
All right, so the first one is durability. Uh, it doesn't get easily damaged and it's resistant to wear and tear. Uh, secondly, it's portable. You can carry it around easily. Uh, thirdly, it's divisible. So you have your $100 notes to your 50 cent coins and so on. Uh, uniformity, meaning you have, you know, different $10 notes can be used as the same uh, amount of money. Uh, acceptability, where people are willing to use it as a form of payment. Uh, and the most important one is limited supply. So uh, in that aspect, I think the U.S. dollar um, fails in, in this large criteria of, of being money, right? Because... Uh, You're referring to the had, Fed expanding its balance sheet. Yes, and, and the Fed chairman, Jerome Powell, has explicitly said that they can print to infinity. Mm. Yeah, mm. so that that is a clear violation of the last criteria of money. All yeah. right, so what is it going to take for the US dollar to remain the reserve currency of the world? Or I suppose the flip side to it is, do you really see it being threatened, its position? Well, if, if I could figure out how, you know, they could remain the reserve currency, I think I should be in the Fed myself. <laughs> <laughs> you could. <laughs> Yeah, but um, maybe we can look back um, at history uh, because... Uh, my personal opinion is that the U.S. Uh, may eventually fail as the world's reserve currency. Uh, you know, we, we, we have uh, been brought up in this era where the U.S. dollar has been a reserve currency. In fact, they have been uh, unofficially since 1920. Right? But before that, we had many other uh, world currencies uh, that came and gone. Uh, there was the British pound. It was between 1815 to 1920. Uh, there was also the, the Netherlands uh, that had their the currency that dominated the world. Uh, there was the French franc as well, uh, the Spanish dollar and so on, all, all the way back. So uh, there has been many uh, examples of currencies of the world uh, that failed. Right. Uh, and most of them failed because, firstly, uh, we had wars mm. and, secondly, uh, money printing. So, and we see both of that right now. Right. Uh, if we look back all the way to the Roman Empire in, in 400 AD, mm. uh, they actually, you know, started printing currency uh, in a sense where they were adding uh, copper to their gold and silver coins and thus diluting their, their currency. And that led to hyperinflation and, and the fall of the Roman Empire. Uh, same thing happened in Germany after World War One. Uh, they were they were uh, punished to, to send war repatriations to the rest of the world. Uh, they couldn't afford it, so they started to print their currency into hyperinflation as well. Uh, more recently, we have Venezuela. Uh, after the oil price collapsed in 2014, they kept printing to sustain their public spending. And that has also led to hyperinflation. So it worries me to see that, you know, the, uh, and, and also as discussed by Ray Dalio, uh, all these points, uh, if you study history, mm. uh, it's actually pointing to the U.S. dollar um, losing its status as, as the world reserve currency. What a great historical sweep that was uh, from the changing history uh, definition of, of, or rather the criteria for the definition of money to the fall of major currencies. Really fascinating that. Um, if you look at 
where gold is. We've been talking about gold uh, quite a bit on this show, of course, ever since it breached yeah. its historic rise of 2000. Well, well, well before that, I should say. We've been bullish on gold since about 2018, I think. So Bank yeah. of America Corp has raised its 18-month gold price target to $3,000 an ounce. That is more than 50% of its existing price record. Uh, gold currently trading at 2022 US dollars a troy ounce. What is driving gold prices in your opinion and is it too late to enter the market for gold? Yeah, so what is driving gold prices? Uh, I, I, I see it as many factors. Uh, firstly, it's a safe haven. Uh, secondly, it's a hedge against uh, inflation. Um, you know, and and whatever uh, Bank of America is putting out there, three thousand for eighteen months. Uh, that's just eighteen months. Looking past that, uh, I think we could see much higher prices. Uh, if if we just look back at the year two thousand, when the U.S. Uh, started printing money, uh, gold was only at about two hundred dollars. Right. And since then, it has uh, gone up by 10 times. Mm. Uh, and the U.S. is printing even more so now. Right. So uh, is it too late to go into gold? Uh, it depends on your perspective. So if you're looking to buy gold as a form of uh, insurance against the failure of the monetary system, mm. right? Um, if the U.S. dollar really loses its status as, as the world reserve currency, who knows what will be the next monetary system? Uh, I would say that as a form of insurance, uh, physical gold uh, would be good to hold uh, because um, I'm not sure if I want to go into the history of gold as well. Uh, right? For the longest time since uh, 1000 BC, uh, gold was used as a form of currency uh, all the way up to 1971. So a really strong history for gold right there. Yeah, so as a form so, of insurance... Yeah, you see it yeah. as an effective hedge against a falling USD. I mean, because some analysts yeah. have come on saying, no, it's not going to head to $3,000 an ounce gold. Really, I mean, what is the utility of gold besides using it as a brick to, to, to knock out <laughs> <laughs> another investor ahead of you? And how the price of gold really depends on whether somebody else is willing to pay a higher price than you. But you say gold is an effective hedge against a falling USD, given where we are. I, I wouldn't say that, you know, by definition, it would be a good hedge. Uh, I'm saying that we don't have an alternative to the US dollar now as mm. the world of currency. Mm. Yeah. So mm. in the event that it fails, the, the safest uh, bet is to look back in history and what was before the US dollar was actually uh, gold, the mm. gold standard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it may be something entirely new. Maybe the cryptocurrencies may come into play, uh, or even the China uh, Chinese uh, uh, digital currencies. Oh, okay. Yeah, that are coming up right now. All right. All right. Let's talk about cash and more on Dalio's ideas. He said this before. I'm not sure we we did a whole show on cash is trash, but he's he's mentioned it again since the first mention, Um, you know, that holding value in cash relative to other alternatives is a bad idea. And he recently said uh, on on a Reddit session that cash is trash again, uh, given other Mm -hmm. alternatives, um, arguing that rock bottom interest rates and a mushrooming money supply is going to erode the value of dollars. So um, what, what does he mean when he, he says cash is trash in this context? 
Yeah, so I, I completely agree with him. Uh, but the last time he, he said it, the first time, uh, the markets went on to crash like 30 over percent. Right. So he was wrong uh, but, then. Uh, well, it, it depends how you frame it. To put it in context, um, I think you know he's mainly talking about the U.S. dollar, uh, which I would loosely translate it into every other fiat currency we have uh, in the world, especially those pegged to the U.S. dollar, uh, and, and that that relates to us as well in terms of the Sing dollar, right? Uh, and he's also talking about cash as a form of investment. Uh, because we obviously still need uh, fiat currency, uh, you know, in our daily lives because it's still the medium of exchange for now. Uh, and, and the reserve currency doesn't just go away overnight, right? But as a form of investment, um, your cash is doing nothing uh, for you in terms of returns. Mm. Um, and at the same time, you know, it's losing its value because of the Fed's uh, printing to infinity. Yeah, so... Um, if you could apply, you know, Einstein's theory of uh, relativity to money, uh, I, I'm not sure if this is a popular uh, analogy where, you know, you're on a train and then the train besides you seems to be starting to move, right? The only way you can figure out if your train is moving or the other train is moving is to look at something stationary. Yeah, then you can figure that out. Um, so all this while... Um, cash has been the stationary object. If you're holding on to cash, it is deemed as safe. Uh, but, you know, I feel that it's not anymore. With all this printing, the stationary object is actually the one moving backwards. So fiat currency is losing its value. Uh, but, you know, from because of our perspective, we mm. think that assets around us are all increasing in value. Uh, I tend to see it more as cash itself losing its value. That's why it seems that everything is so expensive around us. So interesting. Are you really worried about the soundness of money? A little bit, a little bit. I mean, we we are all born in this era where, you know, money is just money. Uh, It's difficult to imagine, you know, otherwise. So, uh, but but looking at the pointers and studying history, uh, yeah, I, I am starting to get a little bit worried. Oh my goodness. So what does this mean for investors? They're looking around, low interest rate environment, price of gold is spiraling, a US dollar could be losing its um, soundness. What does this mean for investors? Well, I don't want to sound, you know, all doom and gloom. Uh, <laughs> but as, as mentioned before in our uh, previous shows, um, you know, I would advise investors to, of course, keep uh, a reserve of uh, 12, up to 12 months of expenses uh, in cash. So that's for your day-to-day living and emergency. Uh, you know, but the remainder um, should be invested in the markets, uh, but invested very carefully and selectively at this point in time. Okay, let's look at a favorite for uh, a favorite for Singapore investors. Given what used to be uh, dividends, you could absolutely count on. <laughs> And that is Singapore REITs, right? So yeah. uh, how resilient have they been given market, volatil- market volatility? I mean, the retail REITs have been hammered. Uh, four yeah. retail REITs have cut distribution per unit by anywhere between upwards of 40% to upwards of 70% so far. Um, yeah. What do you think about this idea of dividend investing in today's environment? Uh, so from from a personal perspective, uh, I've 
I've never really liked dividend investing. Hmm. Uh, maybe it's because of my my risk appetite. You know, uh, I tend to go for more capital gains. Uh, but yeah, in this extreme and prolonged low interest rate environment, uh, it is actually getting risky um, to do dividend investing if you don't do it right. Uh, so what I mean is because dividend investors tend to have this uh, constraint of stable payments yes. from cash flows, mm-hmm. yeah, and um, you know also uh, you know capital preservation. Right, so that actually uh, restricts the companies that they are investing in um, to grow as a business. Yeah, and and the pandemic has brought about this extreme need to to grow and pivot uh, your business. Whereas a lot of the REITs, uh, you know, and and your old economy names, they are not able to do so. Uh, for example, retail REITs. Mm. I I don't see how they can they can you know pivot their business to profit uh, in this current environment. Same goes for the airlines as well. Yeah, so so this has left uh, these traditional dividend companies uh, completely exposed uh, to the risk. Yeah, and also as as uh, interest rates go down, the yields go down, uh, investors are blindly going up the yield curve and uh, investing into junk bonds. Uh, yeah, and they package it nicely now by saying they're high yield bonds. Mm. Uh, yeah, but junk bonds they carry an inherent risk there, whereby your upside is is kind of capped by the dividends that you are receiving, but the downside is as good as buying into you know equities itself. Okay, yeah, doesn't this so, picture doesn't this picture change if if uh, the world encounters a vaccine, for example? People start heading back to the stores. Retail REITs are able to grow. So, I mean, this whole idea of looking away from dividend investing, does it still hold? Should the global picture change with the um, introduction of a vaccine? Uh, Yes, to a certain extent. A vaccine uh, will to a certain extent bring us back to where we were, Hmm. say back in January or February. Right, but the key the key thing that um, this episode has brought about is the need for growth, um, constant growth, mm. and uh, responsible growth, not overextend uh, in debt. Uh, but we do know that a lot of the the REITs out there, maybe not the ones in Singapore, but um, in general, property companies are very highly uh, leveraged, okay. right? And and they have not been able to, you know develop their, their business model and pivot to, to capture new trends. Yeah, so um, dividend investing is not entirely dead. Uh, there are dividend companies out there uh, outside of the REIT space uh, that are still attractive. Mm. So, for example, um, like Microsoft, uh, you know, there, there's an article that came out to say that the big tech is the new safe haven. Mm. Uh, and I don't disagree with that because Microsoft has about... 140 billion in cash, right? Um, that's as much as uh, Hungary's total GDP for 2019. Wow. Yeah, and uh, if I'm not wrong, the Microsoft does pay out about about two to three percent dividends. Mm. Yeah, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, it, it's not dead. Uh, it's just that you need to relook uh, outside of the REITs uh, and. Oh, maybe even within REITs, but, uh, you know, for example, the industrial REITs have been able to pivot to data centers. 
Yeah. Yep. So we need to look out for areas of growth and opportunities uh, within within this sector. All right. So building on that argument, uh, do you yeah. see and are you advising your clients to look at tech as more than uh, a sector, but a key area for growth? Yes, actually. So uh, we are focusing uh, a lot on tech, slightly leaning towards China. Uh, and we are also looking at gold and silver, uh, both the physical uh, as well as the miners as well. All right. Really interesting. Yeah. You see mining stocks um, yeah. be of interest uh, as opposed to just spot gold? Yeah, but that carries uh, quite a bit of risk yes. because they are, you know, they are in a way uh, leveraged uh, onto the physical metal prices itself. Yeah, and they are cyclical. Uh, and also, they are not immune to the virus. So if any of the mines, the workers gets infected, they will probably need to shut down the entire mine. Uh, so there, there is a risk there. Uh, but, you know, to generate that little bit of extra returns, uh, we are, if the timing is right, we do look at miners as well. And, and on the precious metals front, are you interested at all in copper? Copper futures have rebounded sharply uh, because of a surge in Chinese imports of the metal? Oh, yeah. I've been actually commodities as a whole, uh, you know, the, the hard commodities uh, has been picking up as, as the uh, industrial production in China improves and recovers. Uh, but I, I still, you know, stick with my um, gold and silver uh, views because they have the added benefit of being uh, a form of money in the past, right, on top of being uh, for industrial use as well. Great speaking with you. Thank you, Wilfred, for terrific insights this morning. Thank you, Michelle. Have a great day. Wilfred Lim, Executive Director of BMFA Wealth Management. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SBH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.